What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I just got to get a little bit better at getting the ball out, taking completions, just the whole offense. We got to click a little bit more. Still got some work to do. We're not balanced right now. Just got to keep swinging, man. We're going to swing. I just told them I'm looking for uh, fighters and I'm looking for competitors. We will have a locker room full of competitors. Playing receiver, you know, we're getting paid to catch. That's what we do, run routes and catch. So if it touches our hands, then we got to do what we can to come down. Jamin's got a big arm, you know, so Jamin's, he's going to throw it to where we can make a play. That's what he did with me. That's what he did with L, uh, not LJ. That's what Taysom did with LJ. So, like I said, they put the ball, they throw it, we catch it. I missed it. <laughs> I missed it, man. I missed going out there and leading the pack. Like, that's, that's fun. That's fun stuff. I haven't started a football game in so long on, like, missing those opportunities. Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Good morning. Welcome in. He's Chris Sims. I'm Mike Florio. we got two hours to get you up to speed on everything that's happening throughout the National Football League. Chris, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good, Michael. How are you? Uh, good. good. I, I, I caught you. I you caught did. you there. You yeah. thought I was going to keep talking. Hey, wait. Hold you thought you were going to have time to drink some second. water. i got to take a sip of my coffee. I'll keep, hold on. I'll keep talking while you take a sip of your coffee because ah, I want I you to drink as much you. as you can. <laughs> well, wait. It's not the coffee that you pour into the garbage can. It's the hot water. God. <laughs> ah. I'm having a flashback <laughs> to spring. the day my brain exploded. The hot water to keep the coffee cup hot, warm right. gets poured into the trash can. Right. So you can put Pour the hot the coffee, coffee in, in there the and it just stays a little extra hot. Pre warmed. Right. But I stopped. Pre-warmed the peer pressure mug. got to me. I mean, between you and everybody else here and friends. Peer and pressure? Else. Yeah. It's not peer pressure. It's the requirements of living in a civilized society. <laughs> I don't didn't know that water into a garbage water can. Water in a garbage can determines civilization or civility in a society. Okay. I guess so, apparently. But you've made me it feel again. guilty enough that I stopped. I know that. Good. Good. <laughs> Good. We made you aware. Right. We made you self aware. All right. We are aware that there was a game last night. And l- let me just say this, too, since we're talking about duties to a civilized society. The Saints are down to 
a very, very small number of unvaccinated players. Right. And the telltale sign is the mask at the press conference. Marquez Callaway is one of the few, very, very few remaining Saints players to not be vaccinated based upon the fact that he had the mask on unless he chose to wear it. No one chooses to wear it if they don't have to wear it in a situation like that. Ipso facto, he don't have to worry about getting cut after last night. No, he doesn't. To the extent that the Saints are thinking about shedding anyone who isn't vaccinated by next Tuesday to get to 100%, Marquez Calloway does not have to worry about it with the plays he made on Monday night against Jacksonville. No, definitely not. I mean, we're kind of like we were waiting for who that receiver on New Orleans might emerge. You know, Marquez Calloway, we heard a lot about him, heard his name pop up during training camp. He looked pretty good last week. You know, has the look, but you just thought, like, man, who are going to be the go-to guys if Michael Thomas is not there, Jared Cook's not there? You know, if Alvin Kamara's banged up in a football game and he can't play, who is going to be that guy? And, man, he looks like he's the part. He can go. He's got great ball skills, got good size. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good find for Sean Payton getting that kid out of Tennessee a few years back. I can tell you who it's not going to be in the absence of Michael Thomas, and it pains me to say this. Yeah. 2015 seventh overall pick Kevin White, couple of drops in the fourth quarter on one of those easy little quick slant, uncoverable, wide open balls in your hands, failed to secure both of them. And to their credit, they went right back to him to see if he could do it the second time. And he didn't. Yeah. And they got to cut down to 80 today. And I won't be surprised if his time with the Saints ends up being limited to just a handful of days because you either make the plays when they come your way or you don't. And he had two chances last night. And I hate to say it, but he didn't. No, and uh, what, what a contrast Two catches by Marquez Calloway, two right. opportunities to make not easy routine catches not laid all. out for the one one hander with the other. So anyway, I just I saw that as we heard from him, and I thought, yeah, there's the the Saints will not be at 100% vaccination rate this year because unless Callaway at some point changes his mind, and I think we're well past the point of anyone changing their mind, that is the the look we will see all year long from Callaway after games at press conferences. All right, let's take a step back though and focus not on the folks catching the balls let's focus on the guys throwing the balls and in football morning in america this week sean payton told peter king that payton hopes to name his starting quarterback before the final preseason game on saturday now payton has contradicted what king said he said to him he has said since then no timetable said that to lisa salters last night before the game on on monday night football and here's what payton had to say after the game was over, about his timetable for naming a starting quarterback for week one against the Packers. Yeah, we'll see. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, I don't have a time frame, though. I'll give you, like, when we, we know what direction we're going, we'll, we'll let you guys know. And we're not going to, you know, try to anticipate saying, hey, it's going to be midweek or next week. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, the best way for us to handle it. And it's kind of how we've always handled something like this. Um, but, but I was pleased with not just the quarterbacks. I was pleased with how we played as a team for the most part. When I saw what Coach Payton had said to Peter King about naming a starter by Saturday, my thought was, you know what makes sense? Gives you two weeks 
Yeah. To exclusively focus on getting your guy ready. And then he backtracks and look, I don't know. I, I don't doubt what Peter said. I don't doubt that Peyton said to Peter that he hopes to do it by the weekend, hoping to do it and actually doing it are two different things. I think after last night. Yeah. I, yeah. I think. Yeah. I know. Look, to the extent that everyone knows going into this game, this is your chance. This is basically your closing argument to the extent that the boss is thinking about picking one or the other by the end of the week. This is it. Jameis Winston looked pretty damn good. And we saw something we don't see very often. We hadn't seen very often in recent years. All due respect to Drew Brees, but he knows it. We know it. Everyone knows it. that yeah. ball flying right. 50 yards in the air down the field. Uh, the beautiful thing for the Saints and beautiful when it connects. And here it is a little play action. Jameis Winston standing on the other side of the 50, firing it into the end zone. And that's where Callaway made the catch Phenomenal. despite being interfered with. Yeah. And, you know, that was that's like, hey, boom, there it is. And anything you do after that's gravy. Well, and, it, it uh, is great. You know, he still say, did plenty more. He did. He did. And this is still great. I will say this. I don't know necessarily know if he gets like an unbelievable grade for that throw and play. Right. I don't Why? know. Because because really, I think if you have like a veteran corner on the other side there and we like, you know, this is another great catch by Calibay. But if we go back to that first touchdown, you know, he's going to say, wait, you didn't see the backside coverage. 32 there, Tyson Campbell, really talented rookie, never located the ball. If that's, you know, if that's a, a veteran that's been around a little bit, I'm not so sure it gets played that way to where it could be an interception. So it'll be graded positively, but it'll also be like, hey, Jameis, you got to make sure you see the backside guy here. You know, you can't just go, wait, he beat his guy and he's open for the post. See, 32 just played it wrong. You know, nonetheless, great throw, great play. I get it. It's aggressive. Like you said, it stretches the field. But I don't know if it gets like an A++++, right? I think it might be one of those where Peyton looks at him and goes, hey, you, you put it in a good spot. I see what you saw. You know, you get an A- or a B plus for that, that play because I don't know if we get away with that if that's not a rookie on the other side. But but still, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm micromanaging here a little bit and really looking closely at a at a close quarterback duel. What about the second touchdown oh. pass, the one-handed catch from Callaway? What grade would you give that? Oh, for? that was an A plus 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 plus. That definitely was. I mean, it really was. I mean, Jameis Winston looked phenomenal. He really did. And that ball, you know, to put that ball high outside to where your guy can get it, the defender, even when he's reaching out, really can't get to the ball. Perfect placement. And as you and I have talked about many times, Jameis Winston has it to play the position. It's just, does he have it to hit the brakes every now and then and avert disaster that you've so well explained so many times and trying to save plays and do all that? And right now, it seems like Sean Payton and company think they can stop him from doing some of that stupid stuff we used to see him do in Tampa. The fatal flaw for Jameis Winston, and this dates back to his time at Florida State, the game against Oregon, the national semifinal. I think the first year they did the semifinal feeding into the championship game. He tries to do more than he's physically capable no of doing. Right. And, and that's the thing that Sean Payton needed to deprogram for Jameis Winston. Right. Stay within your abilities. But, Chris, look, I, here's my take on the first throw. Yeah. I'll defer to your expert. No, don't. I mean, I'm just – Yeah, it's still but no, really no, good. No, but I, here's I just, all I'm, I'm saying is this. Negative. Yeah, yeah. All, all I'm saying is this. Yeah. The fact that it connected. No doubt. I believe 
gives him more confidence to make the second throw. Uh, I agree with that. The second throw, the second sure. throw happens as perfectly as it does because the first throw worked, even if it wasn't a perfect throw, even if a better defensive back would have made the play. The result was a touchdown, and Jameis is feeling pretty good no about doubt. himself now. No doubt. So he fires the other one into the corner and drops it right in. Whereas if you don't have that first one, maybe you don't have that same authority, that same exactly. confidence when it's time to launch the second one. I don't disagree with you one bit there, Mike. You're 100% right. And there was, again, I wasn't trying to be overly negative about that play. No, I no, just, no. It's, all right. All right. No, yep, cool. It's, I, just I don't think you were being overly negative. Page. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is just, you know, hey, the, the other positive thing about that first play, too, is, hey, there is something, too, where the coach goes, hey, I want us to be aggressive. Hey, look at this guy out here, number one, Marquez Callaway. He's big. Give him a chance. Throw the ball up there and let him go make a play for you. And he did that. And I think all in all, it'll still be all positive reviews for Jameis Winston, of course. You know, I was one of those guys that came into the game thinking Taysom Hill – might be the guy that because of some of the other elements he could bring to the offense with running and doing all those things. But I, I learned really in pregame and really at the start of the game early on that it, it felt like I, I'm going to be wrong for sure. You, you seem to be right on it or right all, all over it. The fact that, you know, it, it, from hearing Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick, it sounds like Jameis is kind of in the lead. You know, if you kind of read between what they're saying and stuff like that, they tell you Taysom Hill got off to a slow start in camp and those things. And then I think the point they brought up a few times the point that you've brought up for the last few months. You know, they can still keep Taysom Hill in the Taysom Hill role. You know, occasionally play a quarterback and do something crazy, but he can play tight end and fullback and slot receiver and do all of those things. And, you know, I, I came away after the first quarter going, well, I guess I'm wrong. And it seems like Jameis Winston's in the leader house here, and it's, it's his job to lose. Intentionally leader house, house, baby. Yes. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing that, that did it for me, and this comment came later in the game, and I agree with you. And it seems like, and maybe it's just because we listen to the primetime games more closely than others because we're not watching eight or nine at once and jumping around audio to audio. But I feel like the Monday Night Football crew gives us more about what they've heard yes, the days they leading up to the game. Right. And it could be, yeah. it could be that Sean Payton has figured it out and he's not necessarily telling them the truth either. Yeah, right. But but the one thing that that jumped out at me was the idea that Trevor Simeon would be the number two on game day to Jameis Winston because Taysom's going to slide back sure. into the Taysom Hill role. That right. that that's what kind of really caught my attention. No doubt, because uh, it's not that he's full time quarterback now. If he's not the starter, he does go back to that other role, and that makes the offense better. If you've got Jameis Winston throwing the ball the way he threw it last night, and Taysom Hill playing the role that put him in position to even compete for the starting job, that's when you have your best eleven players on the football field no and doubt. by far Jameis Winston one of the best last night Taysom Hill when he got his chance Chris what did you see well I mean you know it wasn't of course the starting unit out there it was a little different right I mean still I like the way Taysom Hill plays I think he's got a pretty good natural feel for a guy who's like a you know utility weapon that's playing quarterback he doesn't lose control of the ball very much. You know, he's trying. Yeah, I'll tell you this. This is the, my one day. He's trying to play in the pocket, I think, almost too much to show, like, Sean Payton, like, look, I can do this. I can do this. Like, that play there. Like, abort mission. You run 4-5. Get the hell out of there and play some backyard football and do something. I feel like he's a little bit into two quarterbacks. Same here. 
You know, you knew nobody was open. It's fourth down. Don't wait so long until the guy gets all over you to make a play. Um, I, I love his skill set. He has a big-time arm. I think he is accurate. To say he's as natural at playing the position as Jameis Winston, that was a great little touch throw there. No, he's not. Jameis Winston's a natural. There's a reason he was the number one recruit coming out of high school and the number one pick in draft. And it all, he did some awesome things in Tampa. I know he did some dumb things, too. But there was a lot of awesome, and I just think he, you know, has a little bit – that's what jumped out to me. Winston's just got a better overall feel to play the quarterback position than Taysom Hill, who's more of what I always say, an athlete who's turned into a quarterback. And there is a difference there, and I think probably Sean Payton has seen that, and that's probably why Winston's, you know, leading, leading the charge here. One thing that I noticed last night yeah. from Hill – and I could be completely wrong, and I want you to be candid with me. Okay. But I, I know that you're a student of this dynamic as well. When they show the guy on the field, when you see him walking around, I just detected a demeanor from Taysom Hill. Unspoken, obviously. We can't hear what he's thinking. I know, I know. Just Go the ahead, way though. he was moving, it yeah. made me think, this is done. Yeah. I'm, it's done. Yeah. I'm, it's done. I'm not going to be the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. I, 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 I sensed that from him. I sensed it too, Mike. I did. There was not a lot of life in his emotions or leadership or anything really to read into. And, hey, you know, I've been in some quarterback battles. Yeah, you know, you, you get into those situations and you go, man, the guy was leading me a little bit or, you know, just a little ahead of me. And he put that performance out there. Yeah, I think he probably saw the writing on the wall. And as much as he knows he still has a great role in the team, I'm sure he wants to be the quarterback. You know, so, yeah, I, I'm with you, Mike. You know, between that, what we saw in the field, you know, you talked about it, Monday Night Football. The one thing I do like about those guys, and people got to realize, they get to talk to all the coaches and players. They usually have a pretty good feel about some of the secrets of the team that aren't, you know, unveiled to the media yet. And I think they kind of let us know that Jameis Winston was – you know, the leader going into the football game. And I think he's, you know, took charge. And I don't know. Do they name him the starter this week, Mike? I don't know. Sean Payton might like Jameis Winston having the hot poker up his butt, still and have to stay on his A game every day thinking he's competing with Taysom Hill. Maybe that's why he wants to draw it out a little longer, just so he stays, you know, on top of his P's and Q's. Well, that's right, because the moment that he relaxes is maybe the moment where he slides back into bad habits. So if you have the guy constantly thinking – that this status is subject to change even before week one, even before they start with a game that counts, then so be it. And Sean Payton won't hesitate. If Jameis Winston becomes the week one starter against the Packers and he throws three interceptions oh, and he yeah. makes bad decisions, right. then then the pendulum is going to swing to Taysom Hill. And they say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. But no, if you have two pretty good quarterbacks, you have the ability to keep the guy who's playing thinking – I need to play well, yeah. or he's going to go with the other guy. And Peyton could get away with it if he chooses to do it. And and look, how how what more did Jameis Winston need to do last night if Peyton is trying to have a preliminary decision in mind by the end of the week? Nine for 10, 123 yards, two touchdown passes, no picks, and a passer rating near perfect. Remember that weird formula, 158.3 is perfect. 157.5 is what Jameis Winston did last night. And... Uh, I I just I I thought I, I thought that that it was as clear as it could be. Yeah. Monday Night Football, prime time, highest pressure you're ever going to have in a preseason game. Winston stepped up, 
and Hill didn't. And the, the, the demeanor I detected from Hill wasn't right out of the gates. It was after he was making some of the plays like the ones we showed, yes. where fourth down and he's holding the ball way too way long. Too and long. you know Make Peyton is going to let him hear it. Right. You've got to make a decision right. sooner than five seconds after you get the ball in your hands. Yeah, no, exactly right. I think it's some of those little things there. Or to know, hey, I drop back, nobody's open. Don't let me just don't just sit there and float and wait for something. You're a good athlete. Get out. Get out on the edge. Threaten the line of scrimmage. Draw the defense up, then throw it. Or if they stay back, then you run it. You know, but yeah, I, Mike, that jumped out to me. And you know, you could say what you want about Jameis Winston, whether you like him or not. The one thing we know from people that have been around him, I've been around him a few times. It, I mean, he's as charismatic as they get. He has, you know, that leadership quality. And you could see when he's out there, like he said in the opening clip, he's having fun. He loves it. You know, yeah, he's serious, but it's not like he's stressed out serious. You, you could see he's in total control. If somebody said something funny, he can probably smile and laugh and get right back into quarterback mode. But, you know, he was, he was made to play quarterback. And this was uh, a gift from God and a good job by him signing to Sean Payton because this could save his career and really turn him into something that we thought he could be when he came out in the draft as the number one draft pick. And, and the one thing we need to remember is that we're all works in progress and the finished, especially at the NFL level, the finished version of every human is not ready at 21. Yeah, right. Jameis Winston did some things in college that I'm sure he regrets as we all did. Jameis Winston did some things early in his professional year that I'm sure he or career that I'm sure he regrets, as I'm sure we all did. We did. He has grown. He has matured. Now, I we we really don't need the E to W pregame speech <laughs> in New Orleans. And there was also another pregame speech, and a clip of it was floating around not that long ago when he was in Tampa Bay and Ryan Fitzpatrick was there, and Fitzpatrick gave him kind of a candid, yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, so, you know, th those are things that I don't know how much Sean Payton can help him with that. Maybe he can bring Drew Brees back in and coach him on his pregame messages. But but he's he's capable of growing, developing, and maturing. And he's also capable of a 5,000-yard passing season. Yeah. You know, pe people think that I'm – I'm vested in Taysom Hill just because I thought he was the best player on the field in that playoff game between the Vikings and the Saints a couple of years ago. That doesn't mean that he's good enough to be a week-in and week-out starter. He's getting the chance to show it. And Winston, a guy who has thrown for 5,000 yards in a season, is showing, as of now, he's the better option. And if he is... So be it. Yeah. And the Saints, either way, are going to be in good hands. Post-Drew Brees. We, uh, we, we talk about Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana to Steve Young. Not that Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill are going to be all-time greats, but you know what? We've seen a lot worse follow an all-time great quarterback where a right. team falls off the cliff. The Saints are not going to fall off the cliff. No, they're not going to fall off the cliff, 100%. And, you know, he doesn't have to do it all himself. This is not like Tampa where it was like the team's not that great and we expect you to throw for 350 yards every week and do those type of things. You know, this team is, uh, you know, like you're, you're saying, it's legit. He doesn't need to be in the middle of the pile given the, the, the you know, the, the pump up pregame speech. They got plenty of guys that are alphas, dudes that have been there and can lead the charge. You just worry about playing quarterback, Jameis Winston. And I hopefully that's, that's you know what? Good point. Right. Last night it was Demario Davis. Exactly. That's a good so. point. Hey, and, and I could see Sean Payton sidle up to Jameis Winston and say, 
Let them Let's do that. Let's just focus on playing yeah, quarterback. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, right. Let them do that. Cameron Jordan, you know, J- Cameron Jordan will take care of that. Demario Davis, let those guys go in there and do that. And, you know, hopefully he realizes between, you know, what he saw with Drew Brees, how Sean Payton coaches, the talent he has on his football team, that he does not have to do it all and does not have to do the things that you talked about, trying to do things that are outside of his physical limitations that lead to – you know, the Rose Bowl game against Oregon where he tries to throw the ball with somebody hanging out and the ball flies out backwards and they return it for a touchdown. Or the dumb interceptions we saw, you know, that last year in Tampa. Hopefully they've worked that out of him. And uh, I'm rooting for Jameis. I really am. One-year contract worth $5.5 million. And I remember saying last year the Cam Newton contract could end up being one of the great values of all time, especially if he hit all of his incentives. He would have made $7.5 million. And to get the seven and a half million, you basically have to be the Super Bowl MVP for Winston at five and a half million in this day and age. When you consider that the Bears are paying Andy Dalton 10 million, that is a hell of a deal deal for the New Orleans Saints. And and, you know, n- there was never any talk that anyone else was interested in Winston when he was available back in March. The Saints took their time. They re-signed him on their terms. And now they may have a guy who is going to have a dramatic potential career rebirth and I keep going look it's coaching coaching is so underrated think about it what coaching did Jameis Winston have Dirk Cutter who is now out of the league for a reason was his offensive coordinator and then head coach to start his career and then here comes Bruce Arians to town with no risk it no biscuit no risk it no biscuit it's like hey coach I risked it where's my biscuit yeah sorry you threw too many interceptions get the hell out of here yeah he had 5,000 yards 30 plus touchdown passes and yeah he had 30 interceptions and yes he played poorly down the stretch that's what was the final nail in the coffin for Arians but I really do think that if Peyton can turn Winston into the best version he's ever going to be and make him a great quarterback that's the ultimate way to stick it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, definitely. There, there's no doubt. And I'm sure he'd like to do that. You know, usually the, you know, the coach like Sean Payton, he lives vicariously through the quarterback. He probably would love for Jameis Winston and, of course, himself and his team to stick it to the Buccaneers that way, especially after they just won the Super Bowl and upset them in the divisional playoff game and all that. But, Mike, I think you bring a good point. I mean, hey, coaching does matter, period. You know, not all plays are created equal. Not all coaches can coach those plays are created equal, if that made sense. I mean, first off, what I'll say to you, like, yeah, you're right. He's young. He was raw, dirt cutter. Okay, we know he didn't reinvent the wheel of offensive football. Then you get Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit. I don't know. The more the time's gone by, I've just thought, like, that was horrible for Jameis Winston. He didn't need a no risk it, no biscuit. He was always risking it. And always looking for a biscuit. I mean, that's what he was doing the years before that. He, he needed somebody to say, don't risk crap and the hell cut, d- cut biscuits out of your diet. We don't need any. They're bad for you. Okay? That's what he needed. And that's what he's getting in Sean Payton, where he's like, wait, I'm a genius. Just do what I tell you. I'm not going to put you in bad plays. I'll have a get-out-of-jail play for every formation or shift we're in. Oh, we're going to throw it here. They're blitzing. Hey, I taught you to go over here and do this play, whatever. He's going to have answers for everything. And, uh, yes, Mike, you make the point. It's it's real. Hey, I was with some coaches, and, you know, John Gruden might teach one play one way, and then I got with Josh McDaniels, and he taught it another way. And it was the same play, but he gave a few different thoughts, and you went – man, that makes the play better or tell you what to read a little bit different. And you go, oh, well, that makes it cleaner, easier on the quarterback. And now we have more success running the play. 
And, you know, that could go vice versa, too, where John Gruden taught me things Josh McDaniels didn't quite necessarily know or whatever. But that's a real aspect in the NFL. There's no doubt. Well, I was getting excited there. I thought you were about to say Josh McDaniels is a better coach than John Gruden, although based on the last three years, I don't know that that would be much of a debate. Anyway, let's talk about a guy who's still getting his feet <laughs> trying to get me in trouble. head coach <laughs> in the NFL, Urban Meyer, Jaguars coach. Game two of 20, he's very aware that it's not college anymore. you got 20 games to play. Trevor Lawrence in his second opportunity to show what he can do, an uneven performance, 14 for 23, 113 yards, a sack, one rush for nine yards, and an ill-advised effort to oh. do an Elway copter at the end oh. that almost could have could have ended that quarterback competition suddenly and decisively, depending upon which way he went down and how he got hit. Look, I, I Ooh, that was scary. I, I literally yelled. My little son was next to me too, and he's the same thing. Like we we thought he, lo I thought he lost his right knee in real time here. I really did. I mean, he just got his knee out of the ground as this guy's seeking in there. I thought he was going to sit there and lay there for a second. I'm just I'm glad he got it out and is safe. But you you said it on our text. Like, don't you can't do, this. do it. Right. You can't do it. Ooh. This is not this is not a badge of honor. It is a dunce cap. Right. Yes. In a preseason game, you put yourself in that kind of risk with supposedly a quarterback competition and. They're evaluating everything, including whether or not you do dumb stuff. And yeah. I almost said a word other than stuff. Yeah. That was a dumb play. It's a game that doesn't count. You're trying to learn the parameters. And, and that's the only good thing about it, because he probably learned a lesson. That's no doubt that about now it. We'll, You're right. We'll see what happens next time. We'll see what happens next time he has a chance to run. Does he get down? Does he get out of bounds? Or does he put himself in that ridiculous jeopardy, unnecessary danger? Here he is after the game talking about his decision to go in head first and not slide. Slide in the future? Or is <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was third down. That's the only reason I did it. I thought about it right there. There was a little pocket to slide, but, you know, they mark you back if, from where you start your slide, so I wouldn't have got the first down there. So third and fourth down, you got to go get it. But other than that, yeah, I'll appreciate you looking out. I'll try to get down. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to uh, see that. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a chance to talk to him yet. I will, but... Uh, I know what kind of competitor he is, and he was going to get that first down. So, obviously, you'd like to have him see him get down. Yeah, that's what you have to balance. You're a competitor. But this is currently a competition that means nothing, except for the quarterback competition. But, again, this, I, I just he's young. He's learning the game. That's right. He's learning the speed of the game. Right. He's learning the violence of the game. He's learning. This gets back to what we talked about with Jameis Winston. You have to know where – your physical abilities end, and hubris that gets you in trouble either with turnovers or injury begins. Yeah. Where's that line? Right. Figure out where that line is, and I'm going to stay on the other side of it. So the only good thing that came out of that play last night, obviously he wasn't injured, but secondly, he knows how far the rubber band can stretch. Yeah. And next time, you slide. Next time you get down, next time, especially in a preseason game, you tell yourself, yeah, it is third down. It doesn't matter. It's a preseason game. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're exactly right. You're hitting all the right points. You know, he, it, I, you know, again, I know he came from Clemson and he was, you know, the god of college football for three years. But damn, this is the NFL and that's the New Orleans Saints. And I don't care who you are. There is a learning curve when you first get in the NFL. The speed of the game, the size of the guys, the ferociousness of the game overall, it doesn't compare to any college game you've ever played. 
And they and the NFL, I mean, they can't wait to hit the quarterback when he's out in a, in a, in a scenario like that. So I'm not, you know, I, I understand. You're not especially gonna, the Saints. Yes, especially the Saints, who you know love to hit and tackle and have been one of the most physical teams in football. Yeah, he's got to learn how to handle that situation, be able to diagnose it before he gets in there to go, wait, I can't get in there because I'm going to get in a bad position and I might get in trouble or get hurt or whatever. So he's just got to figure out, too, if he does want to go for the first down, the positions he puts his body in that are going to be safer than having both feet planted in the ground almost at a dead stop with four people around you. That is a no. You know, maybe you go in there and you kind of do the side fall dive, right? Something like that. There's other ways to protect your body and still get that first down, but just don't do that. And I'm uh, that's your move. That, that's your don't hit me, don't hit me, don't hit me move. Don't hit me, don't you're, hit you're me. You're gonna hit into me the end zone. And I'll roll to the first you're, down. Right? Yeah. Right. You, you, the, the 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 duck and cover into the end zone. That's we right. have that somewhere. Let's see. It's if like the that. It's like that. Joe Frazier. You got to take the blow a little bit and roll with it a little. <laughs> Wasn't that your touchdown run when yes. you threw the ball yes. into the ship? I did yeah. that. My ball into the ship, and then. Uh, I did it again the next year with my game where my spleen is bleeding out and I have a quarterback run to the left pylon and I'm sitting there going, oh man, I'm hurting so much. Please don't hit me. And I did the same kind of thing. Uh, was in a little pain, but it, it is a good way to kind of shield yourself and most importantly, get your legs out of the ground so you don't lose an ACL or something like that where we've seen quarterbacks get you know compromised before. And people understand it now. There was a time when it was viewed as some sort of strange cowardice if a right. quarterback, you know, hit the deck, whether behind the line of scrimmage, if nothing is there. I mean, Peyton Manning turned that into that's, an art form. That's right. It's he did it. It's it's smart. It's smart. Right. You keep yourself healthy. Oh, you, hey, what a great play. What grit. Oh, he can't walk now. Yeah. Oh, he's out yeah. for ten weeks. Oh, but that was a great play. Right. Yeah, no, you're exactly I think Peyton is the one that made it a real thing for quarterbacks to go like, he's not a coward. He's as tough as they come, you know? And then we all, we saw really what it was is we saw how awesome he was and how important he was to the Colts where we were like, okay, who cares? It's third and 10. And he just fell down in the middle of the pocket. We need to hit him out there to play, to come back and win this game or whatever. And I do, I think he was a big reason why everybody could finally digest the quarterback going down, protecting himself. He's not a football player, all that crap. Yeah, no, he's not. He's the damn quarterback, and he makes $30 million a year, and your team's riding on it, so he's got to keep himself healthy. But but you're right, though. You're right. There is a fundamental difference between one of the all-time greats taking a seat to live to play another yes. day and a lesser quarterback. And I could name some lesser quarterbacks. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> Pretty much all of them. It's easier to name the quarterbacks who are as good or better than Peyton Manning than the lesser ones because we'd be here all day if we were doing that. Uh, what about Trevor Lawrence's performance as a quarterback, as a passer? We've established that he was not the smartest when it was time to dive. What, what about his play when he was distributing the football through the air. It's a tough eval as far as the game itself, right? Like, I physically like the way Trevor Lawrence looks. I mean, again, we saw him move in the pocket, run for the first down there. The athleticism's real. For a guy to be 6'6 and be able to, you know, spin out backwards and do some of those things and all that, you know, that's rare to be have that size. Here, this throw on the run to the left with somebody in your face, I mean, that was a 19-yard laser. Awkward. Awkward throw, bam, on the money. You know, the, so the, you see the physical ability. You know, this one, yeah, didn't give the guy a chance. But also I would say, 
you know, within this and a lot of the bad plays or whatever else, like, you know, what, what was he supposed to do? They were overmatched. There was no doubt about that. They are not in the same class as the New Orleans Saints in any way. You got a first time. There's a great play. That's what we need to see more. Stepping up in the pocket. You know, that was great. Uh, here again, on the run again. You know, not, I mean, that's dangerous there to me making that throw with the corner in front of him. Now you got him back in the pocket here. I'm just going to go through. This is like, this is the stuff I look at and go, man, I mean, the way he moves is smooth. Now, that was a stupid decision again. Right, but I think he's but getting... to roll out and reset. Right, the pocket wasn't there. He turned, he yes. spun, he found a clean spot, but then he made a bad throw. Right, made a bad. Th- he'll get, and that's like you know talking about the sliding and everything. He'll learn to what's open, what I can get away with, and all those type of things. So you see the ability for sure, but it's going to be an uphill climb. He's probably in the toughest position out of all the rookie quarterbacks, and. You know, for everybody praising and saying he's the greatest prospect of Andrew Luck and all those type of things, like, listen, he's a great prospect. He wasn't as NFL ready as everybody thinks. That offense he was in college was easy. It was a college offense. So it's a learning process for him right now. And I thought the guys on the telecast, even Booger McFarlane at halftime, did a good job of going like, you know, what what are the Ravens? I mean, the Jaguars. You know, they don't do a whole lot to help them out right now. And when you got a new head coach, a bunch of new players, a rookie quarterback, everybody trying to figure out their way, things aren't going to be smooth. And I think that's why they're a little reluctant to just say he's the starter and throw him out there because they don't want Joe Burrow to happen. That's why. That's the sense I got last night. They don't want him to get out there. The team be less than. They ask too much of him, and then he loses an ACL, and Urban Meyer's NFL career goes down the drain with it because he doesn't have his star quarterback for a year. You know what? I think you're right. I think, But you know what? I think you're right. And and the the comment was made, during the broadcast is attributed to, I believe, Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, that they're looking for their offensive identity. But there, there was a comment from Urban Meyer at some point where when I read it, I had the same thought you had. This isn't about whether or not Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew. No. This is about whether the talent around him or lack thereof yes. is such that we're not comfortable putting the number one overall pick right. on the field. Right. And we're trying to paint it as glass half full, not glass 90% empty. Yeah. And this is exactly, I, I think Shereen and I talked about this on Friday because Jalen Hurts all of a sudden couldn't play. Joe Flacco gets thrust into the lineup. Joe Flacco was not supp- supposed to play as a rookie in Baltimore. They were concerned that their right. offensive line wasn't good enough and he wasn't going to be able to protect himself. Troy Smith got tonsillitis in the preseason and they got comfortable with the idea that Flacco could go out there and perform effectively without getting himself killed. And I, I think, you know, maybe that's to take it back to our first point with Trevor Lawrence almost getting himself killed. Maybe that's what Urban Meyer is really thinking about here. Yeah. Why do we want, in a year when it is clear, it's funny how quickly Pete Demolitis backtracked last night on his thought that Jacksonville could go three and one to start the year. (laughs) He's he's revised that to 0 and 4 based upon the fact that they were 1 and 15 last year for a reason. They're bereft of talent. And just because you have Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, by the way, who's out indefinitely after suffering a foot injury last night and he was in a boot after the game. Just because you have a big draft and you bring in Urban Meyer, you still got a bunch of guys on the team that, that, 
that weren't good enough last year or you would have done more than win week one against the Colts. Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. I mean, you got young guys that are a lot of young guys, first and second year players. You brought in a whole bunch of free agents, right? So it's a total rebuild, retool, whatever the hell you want to call it there in Jacksonville. And you've heard the the, the, the guys last night talk a few times, like Urban Meyer. I mean, he's He's figuring out NFL life on the fly here. So he's not going to be perfect with this either. But the one thing he knows is he took the job because of number 16. And that was one of the big reasons he took it. And he's not going to screw that up and get him hurt. And now, oh, man, my NFL experience was a total failure because I couldn't check my ego at the door. And I had to let my quarterback play, 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 carry us, carry us, carry us. And I would worry about that, too. I think it's smart. Hey, Urban Meyer's old school, and I think the play that we talked about before with him hurting himself is the best. Is a great example. Like, if it's regular season week three and they're zero and two, like, and yeah, they are not. Doesn't look like they're going to be able to run the ball worth a damn and all that. You know, they're going to ask him to throw the ball, and he's going to try to win the game, and he's going to play like his butt's on fire, and he's going to scramble and run into piles of people and do things like that, and that's when you get freaking hurt. And that's when you get in the Bengals situation, which is a horrible situation. So uh, I, I understand it. I think that's, you know, the, they made that kind of clear as the night went on, that it's about the team and can they support Trevor Lawrence? Uh, not so much like you said, Trevor Lawrence. He, he's better than Gardner Minshew. I, I know that. Well, and Gardner Minshew had a rough time last night as well. Right. Because he doesn't have the talent around Definitely. him. It's amazing. This guy's got... 37 career touchdown passes and 11 picks with a team that has been gradually and consistently and inevitably disintegrating since 2017. Yeah. On the run. Now, look, that, hit he, that. he could have made that. that yeah, he should have hit that one. But, but you know, the, the, the protection wasn't there. No. And, you know, some of the throws were good. Some of them were bad. It's not enough to win the job. This is, We are reconfiguring the analysis here. This isn't about Minshew beating out no. Lawrence. This is about Minshew being better suited to be thrown to the Wolves exactly. than Lawrence. Knowing how to protect himself a little bit. He's played the game before. He knows all his outlets as far as an NFL quarterback's concern. Oh, what, like that right there. You know, right there, like, oh, man, somebody's on my back. I know there's a guy over here in the flat. I could throw the ball away or just give him the chance to get the ball. There again, too. You know, again, he got the ball out. It's a stupid throw and, and a bad throw and everything like that. But, you know, I think what they're probably worried about is, like, Trevor Lawrence gets in a few of those situations, and he dances around the pocket and moves and scrambles and does all these type of things. And then, yeah, it's it's a roll of the dice. And uh, I understand Urban Meyer being very careful about this situation. I, I really do. And, and look, we assume that there's a broader strategy. There's a broader plan. Sometimes stuff just happens, especially when you've got a guy who's never coached at the NFL level and maybe they're a little bit overwhelmed. I mean, just for example, the fact that they used the franchise tag on Cam Robinson, the left tackle, and he may not even be the starting left tackle. They used the franchise tag because they really didn't know what they had. Exactly. Let's go see what we have. Right. Oh, wait, he may not even be the starter. But the the, the notion of a competition between – Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew, and, and nobody really believes that's a true competition. Right. It's maybe a showcasing of Minshew for trade, or maybe as we're now kind of stumbling over, uh, Minshew is the guy who's going to go out there behind a substandard offensive line and run for his life all year, not Trevor Lawrence. And at some level, Chris, too, you and I both thought of this, the comment that 
Trevor Lawrence made to Sports Illustrated before the draft that got some folks up in arms. The idea that he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder, everyone's out to get me, I'm trying to prove everybody wrong, I don't have that, I can't manufacture it, I don't want to. I think people mistake that for being a competitor. I think that's unhealthy to a certain extent. I just wonder whether or not this competition is aimed at kind of cracking that facade a little bit and getting him pissed off sure. and testing him. Right. You know, wait a minute. This is supposed to be my job. I'm going to go take this job. This is my job. I'm not going to take a back seat to Gardner Minshew, the sixth-round pick from Washington State. This is my job, and that's what maybe wakes up this reservoir of, of something, right. of badassery, to turn him into the guy that is going to lead the team. I, I Again, I, I'm attributing too much thought and strategy in a situation where it's just they're trying to not drown. But – but still, there are different ways to yeah, look at this no phony no and fake competition, and that's one way to look at it as well. Well, no doubt. Maybe, yeah, maybe it is just about, hey, let's push the young guy. Let's make him not let's, – let's not roll out the red carpet. You know, like you said, let's, let's make, give him a little edge here to where he's got to work every day. It's just not handed to him. I, I think there's, you know, an, an aspect to that. There's no doubt. You know, my second year in my career I could speak to, I had a chance to, you know – kind of battle Brad Johnson. It was two years out of the Super Bowl and things like that. And, you know, I thought I was out practicing him and doing stuff and better than him in training camp and even some of the preseason games. But, you know, they weren't going to just hand it to me, of course, because he had won the Super Bowl. He was more experienced than me. But also, I think Gruden wanted me to get close and, you know, just get over the edge and become that true edginess jerk that you're talking about. I want you here Tuesday morning, even though it's a day off, and I want you to be the first one in the building watching film and doing those things, you know? And I remember, like, Bill Muir, our offensive line coach and things like that, coming up to me, like, you got to do more. You got to do more. And I'd be like, man, I'm whooping butt in practice every day. Nobody's doing what I'm doing. But it was the other little things that they knew that were going to make me better as a pro in the regular season and things like that. And that certainly could be part of his, you know, Zen master, you know, uh, approach here from from Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer as well. Took a lot of work in Tampa to undo that laissez-faire upbringing. <laughs> yes, that's really what they. My were man Steve do. Young on there last night, man, man from the mean streets of Greenwich. But I, I know. every time I see I him now, I, I think of that. I know every damn. He feels time. so bad. I love Steve. He apologizes every time I see him, and uh, as I've told you before, I think he might have been led down that trap of words. Uh, maybe before he said them on TV. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really? Oh, really? Really? Please elaborate. No, no we'll take a break. You. Don't we have to go uh, to commercial? <laughs> we have to go to commercial. Y yesterday there was some good news about Cam Newton's status with the Patriots. Right before we got some bad news about his status with the Patriots. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The fact that Cam started last year and he's here, somebody's going to have to play better than him. I mean, we're not just going to take a job and say, okay, here, this is a you know, gift wrap for somebody. You know, But training camp is all about competition. And there's an element to who the starter is, but there's also a competition. And in the end, the competition is going to decide how things go in any given year. And I think everybody on the team is really in the same boat. It's no different. Like, the player's name doesn't matter. It's whatever you did last year is, okay, great. Whether it was good or it wasn't so good. This is a new year. This is a new opportunity. And... Each one of us has to establish our level of performance this year. That's Bill Belichick from the WEEI broadcast of the Greg Hill Show on Monday morning. And look, the key takeaway, someone has to play better than Cam Newton to start over him. They also asked during that broadcast if Belichick would consider platooning quarterbacks, and he pulled out the standard, we're going to do whatever it takes to help the team win. So it was all in all a good indication for Cam Newton because – If Belichick says someone's got to come in and play better than him, take the starting job, the implication is no one has yet, despite all of the praise that has been heaped upon rookie Mac Jones. Then, Chris, we find out that Cam Newton is unavailable to practice with the Patriots until Thursday because of a quote-unquote misunderstanding about the rules for COVID testing. He had an approved travel to another location for some sort of medical treatment. But the problem is, if you're unvaccinated, and this is the confirmation that he's unvaccinated, because if you're unvaccinated, you have to be tested every day. You have to be tested at the facility every day. You can't go somewhere else and take a COVID test and say, hey, look, I'm negative today. So there was some strange donut hole there. And again, it was a misunderstanding. He travels, he doesn't comply, and he ends up being knocked out until Thursday. So now... Mac Jones has the opportunity yeah. to play better than Cam Newton Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, listen, this is the way the NFL is right now. I mean, you know, if you're in the drug program and you leave town, you don't go, well, I'm going to bring my own drug tester. Look, everybody, I'm clean. I'm clean. Like, no, this is the way it's set up. So I I, I guess here's where I want to start because, I, I, I'm, you know me, I've been defending Cam Newton. I'm expecting big things. I just want to first say just why risk it? Why risk it? Like, you know, Cam Newton, we know he loves football. He almost lost his career and job last year because of COVID-19. That, to me, like, again, I didn't want the vaccination, but I like working on Sunday night football and doing stuff like that and being on the field for the first game of the year. Wouldn't be able to do that unless I got the vaccination. You know, you want to be – now he's cracked the door open for Mac Jones to steal reps, get better, play better than Cam, do those type of things. I mean, man, if I was playing quarterback in the NFL in a situation like Cam Newton, I'd been like, wait, put a vaccine in this arm, put a vaccine in this arm, put one in my butt, I got a booster, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm not, I'm not taking that chance. I'm not. There's just no way. 
And I'm shocked he did. And yes, I mean, I was like getting ready to say yesterday on my podcast and go, it's over. It's finally over. Cam's a starter. After the way he played the other night, you know, New England being a little reluctant to play rookies, especially at quarterback and things like that, I thought it is over. Cam can rest, just keep practicing well. It'll take a monumental meltdown, I think, for him to lose the job to Mac Jones. And then this came out, and yeah, now Mac Jones has a few days to be with the first team, grow more as a quarterback. You know, who knows what that does in the game this Saturday against the Giants. Does Cam play now? I don't know. If Mac goes out there and is 18 for 20 for 270 and two touchdowns, does that change their thought? So he left it open for him, and that's where I'm just I'm disappointed in Cam a little bit that way. Here's my theory. Yeah. Because people are confused. Because we're talking about the Patriots here. The Patriots know the rules better on than anybody. any topic. Right. Better than anybody. Right. And the thing that I've consistently heard, this started with a report from Peter King in Football Morning in America months ago that, hey, you know what? When you get to the bye week, you can't leave town if you're not vaccinated because you have to go to the facility every day and be tested. Right. And more immediately, after the week three preseason game, mini bye because there's no fourth preseason game this year, the vaccinated guys can leave town. Unvaccinated guys can't leave town. So the picture has been painted to me as clear as it can be. If you aren't vaccinated, you can't leave. You can't deviate from the team travel schedule. The only time you're going out of town all year long is when the team has a game on the road. That's it. You can't go. And my theory is that the Patriots knew and the Patriots have told their unvaccinated guys until they're blue in the face what the rules are. And Cam still came to them and said, hey, can I travel for a medical appointment? And I think they just threw their hands in the air and said, this is the only way he's going to learn what the rules are and what the rules aren't. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. We've told you what the rules are. Go ahead and let's see what happens. And you're going to do something stupid and it's going to open the door for Mac Jones. And maybe now Cam Newton and anyone else they have floating around on that roster who is unvaccinated will understand what it means to not be able to travel because you got to show up to the team facility every day for a test. I think that's what happened. Mm. That's the only way that I can reconcile the fact that the Patriots always know what the rules are. And I think they got exasperated because they've been telling these guys over and over again what the rules are, and it's not sticking. Uh, and yeah. the mere fact that Cam would even ask to leave town is evidence that it's not sticking. No, no. I mean, listen, I, I, I don't know here. I don't have any other answer. I don't have any answers either. You know, your, your theory in, in, in ways makes sense. I mean, definitely, especially if they feel like he's not learning or whatever else here. And he's just, you know, constantly trying to kind of move the line. You know, I, I thought originally, like when I first read it, my, my thought or theory was, you know, he asked to go see a doctor somewhere or whatever, physical therapist and everything. And I think they probably thought like, well, he knows the rules. We talk about him every day. He'll go to the facility, get tested and then get in a car and drive whatever. And he'll be there all day. And though the next day he's got to be back to take that test to the facility, you know, and he failed that test, obviously. I mean, failed the test of like knowing what the rules were. So I don't know. I'd love to know if like he got on a, got on a plane 
or it was just a car ride or something like that. Uh, I, I really don't know what to say here, but either way, it's not a good look for Cam Newton. And it's just, hey, he's rolling the dice. You know, we talked about this a lot. He would be in the class of guys to where I'd go, you should get vaccinated because you're not Superman Cam Newton anymore that can just get away with whatever. Like, you're fighting for your life in the NFL. You're fighting for starting quarterback job in the NFL. You know, if it doesn't go well this time, you will be relegated to backup quarterback until whenever you get your chance again. And that's where, you know, it's a tremendous risk. And, and we're seeing now he might have to, you know, pay the penalty. We'll see what happens. Well, I think he should get vaccinated along with anyone else who isn't vaccinated for entirely different reasons. But when you throw in the professional yes, benefit right. and detriment of being vaccinated versus not being vaccinated, that's what has been so stunning to me. That guys who benefit directly from enhanced availability, they don't, they still don't do it. All right, yeah. let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, speaking of unvaccinated quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins has a new teammate who was an old teammate who had some things to say about Kirk Cousins back in January. Things could get interesting slash awkward in Minnesota uh, in the coming days. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Why did I leave? I left because, you know, I thought I thought the grass was greener on the other side, to be honest, and it wasn't. Um, going to Dallas, going to Detroit, the grass wasn't greener. You know, um, I didn't get the love that I got here with the fans, you know, with the coaches, with the players. And, you know, the grass wasn't greener. And, you know, I learned, and I'm back home, and I'm happy to be home. And, you know, um, I should have stayed last year, to be honest, you know, where where people love me, where the fans love me, where you guys love me. But, you know, I didn't do that. But, yeah, I should have stayed, and, you know, but, you know, I, I worked hard. You know, I made sure that I was productive enough. But I just, yeah, I should have stayed, and I'm happy to be back. Everson Griffin back in Minnesota for a situational role after one year away. He signed with the Cowboys, was traded to the Lions, had a pretty good year, 14 games, seven sacks last year. He's still got some gas in the tank. Mike Zimmer said yesterday he will be a situational pass rusher for the Minnesota Vikings, who have a pretty good defensive line with Daniil Hunter, with their defensive tackles, Dalvin, Dalvin Thomas Thompson, and Michael yeah. Pierce. Pierce opted out last year. Pierce already gave Griffin his 97 back. Sheldon Richardson, a backup in the tackle rotation. They got the chance to be pretty good on defense, and Griffin will make them better. The question is the offense, and Griffin gave us an unvarnished view of quarterback Kirk Cousins back in January when he tweeted, and I quote, Kirk Cousins is ass. Thank you. <laughs> he added the thank you. Uh, and then he followed up. Ask Zimmer if he wanted Kirk. Finally, he will tell you the truth. Who wanted Kirk Cousins? Take your guess. Those are tweets that were all posted man. on Boom. January 9 and deleted by Everson Griffin. And, uh, and look, Chris, I remember when there was talk of the Seahawks bringing back Richard Sherman. In my mind, that was the not so subtle middle finger to Russell Wilson because there was a tense relationship at best between those two so at a time when Kirk Cousin is leading the anti-vaxxer charge in Minnesota he won't do everything to ensure his availability to earn his two million or so per game this year Mike Zimmer's exasperated we're not going to tiptoe on eggshells around you we're not going to shun somebody that you may not like because he said and I quote you are ass right end quote uh they, they're going to go ahead and bring him back they're not going to give him any favors I feel like there's an element of that 
rattling around in all of this. I, I don't I don't disagree with that. You know, added on top of that, that there, there's a need for Everson Griffin. They would like another guy that can, you know, take some snaps off the edge and apply some pressure to the quarterback. I mean, Mike Zimmer's a defensive head coach. He wants to be able to platoon defensive linemen in. And, you know, you kind of said it to me. This is one of the keys to the success, you know, as far as the Minnesota Vikings are concerned because they have not looked great so far in the preseason. And the secondary, I think, is still iffy. But if you got a great front seven and they got a chance to have, like you said, a pretty damn good front seven where you look at it and you go, man, they might be able to stop the run and not need a safety down in the box or do anything like that. You know, and if they can get after the quarterback, that'll go a long way to helping out that secondary, too. So I think there was need there for sure. And I think probably a little bit of like, yeah, maybe if Kirk Cousins was doing everything right and had played awesome and done everything, maybe they just maybe they wouldn't have done this. Uh, uh, but but because of the current circumstances, maybe like you're saying, they just didn't care and they said we need them. And so what if Kirk's feelings are hurt a little bit? During his reintroduction to the Minneapolis media on Monday, Griffin was asked about those deleted tweets. Here's what he had to say. Um, I haven't I haven't really talked to him yet, but I'm gonna get around to doing that. You know, apologize to him. You know, apologize to you know Coach Zim and Rick. Um, about what I said, you know, I take full ownership in that, you know, um, you know, but I got still, I still got to talk to Kurt and, you know, apologize to him about that. Um, yeah. So you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk to, you know, Kurt and apologize to him and we're gonna have a man to man conversation and we're gonna leave it like that. Two observations. One, as he was talking about it, he did the, uh, the face touch, which, uh, is always a tell of some level of stress and or not possibly saying what he truly believes. And then the first time, the tape is a little unclear. The second time, he Call calls him Kurt. Kurt. He called him Kurt for calls sure. Calls him Kurt. Yes, he did. And, and, and that, of course, is a reminder of the comment from Bruce Allen. There's a face touch, by the way. At least it wasn't with the middle finger. But uh, Bruce Allen, the former GM of the Washington football team, referring to Kirk deliberately and consciously and slowly as Kurt at one point. Not that that's like, okay, he got his name a little bit wrong. Kirk, Kurt, what's the difference? I think anytime you name your kid Kurt or Kirk, you're accepting the risk that from time to time they're going to be called Kirk or Kurt yeah. instead of their right name. So right. it just kind of goes with the territory. Yeah, no, no doubt. It def- I, don't, I don't know if that was It's not like calling you Carl. Yeah, exactly you know? right. It'd be different if I called you Carl or right. if Gruden called you Carl or Phil or something like that. Yeah, Phil, it, well, it's okay to call you Phil. That one's easy. But, you know, a Carl is a hard right mean. turn from yeah, Chris. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you all the way there. And, you know, again, hey, the locker room, it's not all, you know, Boy Scouts and hugs and kisses anyways. You know, there's always going to be a few guys in the locker room that don't like you or just whatever, jealous of you, whatever it may be. They're going to be professionals. I'm sure he will apologize to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins will handle it like a professional. He knows that they're not best friends or anything like that. It's not like he's going to confront them. I mean, what's he going to do, beat Everson Griffin up? No. So, you know, it, it's, it, this bygones will be bygones. And I think ultimately, really, Kirk is probably – aware enough that they could use another pass rusher and he probably welcomes it if it means more winning and and more success for the football team I have been next to Kirk Cousins I have been next to Everson Griffin I would not mess with Griffin right yeah right I I mean Everson Griffin's arms and shoulders are jacked like you don't mess with a guy like that
and 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 Daniil Hunter could take both of them <laughs> and throw them over a barn. Well, you so, tell that to uh, Everson Griffin then, in the next time you see him. No, I'm te- <laughs> well, and Griff- Griffin was blown away by how much bigger Daniil Hunter is. Right. He's really starting to, to add to that frame. Right. I mean, he's he is a, he is a giant. It's easy for me to say at five eleven, but he you're a giant, but. That's but another Daniel giant. Hunter is really yeah, a giant. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and take a break. Chris watched a lot of film yesterday, and it may have changed his opinion of whether or not the 49ers should go ahead and start Trey Lance. Chris will explain when PFT Live continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.